This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, your weekly crypto crash course. Every Wednesday, join us in the dynamic world of cryptocurrency as we cover everything from major news stories to rapid fire news bites. Whether you're starting out or a crypto veteran, we've got your back. Tune in, laugh and learn. It's crypto made easy. It's our first show back for 2024 and we are excited. Today we dive into some surprising trends in crypto crimes and the significant rise in global crypto ownership, as well as the buzz around the Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs, plus a chat about Dogecoin and Elon's latest moves. There's a lot to cover, so stay tuned. My name's Tracy and I'm joined by my co-hosts and good friends, Blake and Craig, as we bring you all the news this week. Welcome back, boys. How was your break? Very good. Feeling pretty relaxed. Both of you guys are looking pretty relaxed as well. I don't know. It's been a big start of the year already. What about you, Craig? How are you going? How's your break? It was great. Um, Bitcoin ETF finally dropped. I know you guys did a special episode on it, but that was obviously great news. The market was hot, but it was good to take a break and get ready for this year, which is Poised to be a huge one. Everyone is excited, Blake. Yeah, that's right. I think everyone's pretty excited. You know, that's really validates a lot of, you know, what we've been working on over the past years, you know, bringing Bitcoin to the mainstream and making it easy and accessible for, you know, tens of millions of people or hundreds of millions of people. That's yeah. it. We're excited for a big year. Mm. But I think as we reflect on 2023 and gear up for another exciting year in the crypto world, let's dive into some key statistics that have recently emerged, shedding light on the evolving dynamics of cryptocurrency. These figures not only inform us about the past year's trends, but they also set the stage for what we can expect in 2024. So we wanted to take a look at these, Blake. That's right. So last year, there was a surprising decline in cryptocurrency-related crimes. Chain Analysis, which is a, a large company in the industry that looks at uh, and does analysis on you know what's happening uh, with all the crypto wallets, and they reported about 29% drop of illicit activities in the industry. And this includes a high-profile FTX case, which has been a major um, talking point. So we'll just break down some of the numbers mm-hmm. and go over them for a, for a little bit more detail here. So the total value of cryptocurrency stolen by scams in the last year is nearly a third less than the previous year in 2022. Uh, illicit revenue uh, in total was down by about 54%. Huge. And stolen cryptocurrency only accounted for about 0.34% of total on-chain transactions happening on in the crypto ecosystem which equals about a total of 24 billion US dollars. 
That is a small, small amount. Relatively compared to, you know, trillion dollar industry. So, yeah. And the report also notes a shift in um, preferences amongst cyber criminals from Bitcoin to other coins like stable coins, uh, notably Tether. uh, But there are also others. Um, While cryptocurrency theft has decreased, activities like ransomware and darknet market activities saw revenue increase. And that means that, you know, uh, basically what that is, is that uh, someone will will hack a company's uh, system, um, computer system, IT system, and they'll encrypt the hard drives and then say, hey, send us your 10 bitcoins or you will delete all your you know, everything that's associated with your business data. That's interesting that um, we've seen that come through as well, um, you know, on our end. Uh, One question it, yeah. for me there is, so why are they moving from Bitcoin to stable coins, do you think? Uh, because, Easy to get there. you know, there's been a lot of high, high profile cases of Bitcoins being um, tracked back. Now, if, it, if these stable coins are on Ethereum, I just don't see much difference, but... Uh, there are some chains that you know might be uh, harder for the authorities to to track for sure. Probably more retail focused as well is scamming people for tether rather than mm. Bitcoin. Mm. I, I think as well that like, this is just probably a case of like bear markets don't have as many crimes and hacks because there probably isn't enough retail interest in going through the marketplace. Like mm. 2017 ICOs, you know, most of them were. People were just money grabs, really. Second, second ball was NFT money grabs. You know, I think it's probably natural that it's come down, especially in a bit of a quieter year. I'll be surprised to see how it goes this year if we do continue the one third is a lot, though. That's a lot mm. to yeah. come down. No, it is a lot. It's a it's a big jump, and uh, I th- was reading, you know, some of these figures yesterday, and at the same time, I came across an ABC article which says that, you know, about 10% of the Australian cash dollars is being hoarded by criminals. So the ABC was saying that there's 100 billion Australian dollars in circulation and about 10% of this is being hoarded uh, for nefarious purposes, uh, which just goes to disprove the case that, you know, crypto is being used primarily for nefarious activities when, you know, the Australian dollar has been shown by the ABC that, uh, it, you know, it's in a yeah. maybe not as... There you go. And Blake, you've given me the link for that. So I think we'll pop that in the show notes yeah, for, for people sure. to see. And we'll leave it on that. It's important to remember that despite the negative press, traditional fiat currencies still do lead the way for illegal transactions, which this shows. So mm. interesting point. But now, Craig, you've got some more positive numbers for us, correct? Yes, that's it, Trey. So despite the global, despite the crypto winter, I should say, the global crypto ownership actually went up in 2023. It was up 34%. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum led led the way. Bitcoin ownership increased 33% and Ethereum ownership increased by 39%. And those two assets account for 72% of all crypto holders. Yeah, look, I think this is probably... A bunch of reasons why. One could obviously be inflation, countries like Argentina that we've spoken about in the past that are adopting Bitcoin to actually use as cash rather than the government currency, but also the Bitcoin ETF, the ordinals, that sort of narrative. Uh, what do you guys think it's from? Well, the you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the blue chips and generally people's first port of call when entering the space. Um, you know, From a risk-adjusted point of view, 
Uh, it's certainly the, the safest. And, you know, these coins are the gateway to the rest of crypto. Um, you know, you need Ethereum to get into DeFi or mm-hmm. NFTs and, and similarly with Bitcoin getting into ordinals and other things. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, yeah, I think that really affirms our thesis on the industry by, you know, being quite conservative with the listing of our coins on the Bamboo platform of, at just you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum for, for digital assets. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's more technology driven or do you think it's like inflation and country fiat currency losing value? Like which one do you think is attributed to the growth? Yeah, the, it's the growth of new wallets, I would say, is how they've attributed this uh, growth rate. And, you know, over time, uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin in particular has increased on average 100% per year. Um, but so, you know, relatively compared to other years, it was a slower year of growth, but as we get bigger, that growth curve is going to level out and a 40% increase in a bear market um, of user adoption is pretty good. I think, you know, what we would expect in a bull run is, you know, two, three hundred percent increase in your adoption of the technology. Mm. And we have to remember last year, the big narrative uh, of the year was the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade. Mm. uh, And that would have seen a lot of people moving Mm. into Ethereum after some, some press there. But as you said, significant numbers there, Craig, and there's no question that 2024 is going to be another big year of impressive growth with the bull market just starting potentially and opportunities in uh, in this world of crypto. So let's dive into what's been going on in the space and we need to look now at the Bitcoin ETF story, boys, that we seem to have covered a million times. But we need to talk about that Bitcoin spot ETF, which was a significant development after much anticipation. It was approved, making a shift in the uh, SEC stance on crypto. So what- and a shit show of an announcement, to be fair. And it fair. Was, a bit of a, was a bit of a shit show of an announcement, the ups and downs, but we made it. So what impact has there been of this ETF so far, Blake? Mm, yeah, since the 10th of January, when the ETF launch, we've seen about $2 billion of net inflows, but over $10 billion in volume, overall trade volume. Wow, that's huge. And the reason that we're seeing so much trade volume is that some of these ETFs, before they were listed on the stock exchange, um, you weren't able to sell um, your Bitcoin out of these funds. You had to redeem them. And there was you know, redemption clauses, like you had mm. to wait 6, 12 months before you could redeem. And there was discounts and uh, things like this that you know you would have to take a hit on if you did redeem. Um, now that it's listed, it's liquid. So all the people that have been waiting for maybe six months, 12 months, two years to sell their Bitcoin in some of these untraded funds uh, made it possible now to sell it. And now they can self-custody or move it to a, a different ETF with different fee structure. Um, so yeah, that's a really big element that's been playing out over the last few weeks. And I think there was several billion dollars or, you know, just sold from the grayscale yeah. ETF. Yeah, 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 which is a really interesting story. So a lot of people thought it was maybe a sell the news event, but that really wasn't that at all. Well, kind of was. If you're in the grayscale fund, yes. Yeah, there was. was a lot of things. I mean, look, and talk to us a little bit more about that, Craig, what exactly happened in that? Because it was a bit that went along with that story. Yeah. So essentially the, the people, the investors that were in the grayscale Bitcoin trust fund, they started redeeming their Bitcoin mm-hmm. or started selling the shares that was on the market. And the reason they did that is because the new ETF products that have been launched, they have less fees. Um, so people are selling them to get exposure in other avenues. They, I think some of them have you know smaller fees and the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is like five times the fees 
of some yeah. of the other ETFs. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. So we saw a bit of a sell-off there, but you know, that's, that's sort of happened in a hard and fast way. But I know Grace before all this happened, Grayscale, the Bitcoin Trust had about three percent of the total supply. That's obviously probably gone down quite a lot now. But it could you know, a lot of this could just be moving over to the BlackRock ETF. Yeah, they said that it's evened out now. So as you saw the money filtering out from Grayscale, they said last Friday it kind of petered out. Mm. But tell us about the FTX uh, link, Craig, that everyone was speaking about also. Yeah, so there was a bit of timing with the FTX selling around a billion dollars of Grayscale Bitcoin. Why would they actually even hold that? I'm curious. Yeah, because the what some of these funds were doing... Um, was taking advantage of an arbitrage that the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust had because people couldn't uh, remove Bitcoin from the trust yet only sell their shares. The shares were trading at a discount, uh, about 40% discount. So you could buy 40, you could buy Bitcoin for 40% below market price, but you couldn't sell that for six to 12 months. So you're taking a bit of a bet that the price wouldn't move too much over that period of time. So you're famously uh, the the Three Arrows Capital hedge fund was taking advantage of this. Some of these, you know, CFI apps were, were taking advantage of this and, you know, making tens of millions of dollars off this arbitrage opportunity. Uh, and, yeah, that's um, that's the reason uh, why people were doing it. Look, to round it out, while Bitcoin ETFs, you know, have seen significant inflows, which you've just mentioned there, it's important to remember that the full impact on the market might take some time to materialise. We're really likely only to see the effects of this potential price increase uh, for Bitcoin unfold over the coming months. I know, Blake, you've always said that you thought it would take a little bit longer to come through. And we'll just see uh, how this new uh, investment vehicle really does touch uh, Bitcoin over the coming months. post hardening. Oh, <laughs> just, just actually reminding myself, like, I haven't been on the this show in a few weeks or month even. Like when you like look into it, like this, the halving, like it's pretty insane. Oh, look, he's just getting so bullish and emotional. I don't have <laughs> I've spent my, I've just got every last dollar in there. I don't have enough. Oh, okay. Not financial advice, folks. Let's move on. And just as we are getting our heads around the Bitcoin ETF news, the spotlight quickly shifted to a potential spot Ethereum ETF. It's been making waves in the news and even traditional finance or TradFi as we're calling them, bigwigs are showing bullish sentiments towards the Ethereum ETF boys. This is basically straight away. Everyone shifted and was like, when, when Ethereum, yeah, when Ethereum ETF. (laughs) Craig, I know this is your darling as well. What were your thoughts here seeing all the news turn to Ethereum? Yeah, it's great for me, Trace. <laughs> um, no, just hearing Larry Fink talk about how he sees tokenization of different funds, bonds, asset classes. Like he definitely does have a vision in utilizing Who's the Larry blockchain. Fink for the um, listeners? Larry Fink's the CEO of uh, BlackRock, which is the largest financial institution mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, so Larry Fink is... A Bitcoin, oh, not Bitcoin, but he's pretty bullish on blockchaining. He's been talking about how they're going to use it in the BlackRock ecosystem with their bonds, shares, equity funds, etc. And he is now not shilling an Ethereum ETF, but he's saying it's, it has potential and it's the obvious next step. Um, and I think we're all sort of feeling really good about it. And mm-hmm. also Franklin Templeton, which I think is like in the top 10. Yep. Um, 
They've gone full crypto on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, this is awesome. Did you see what they did? Yeah. The the display picture of Benjamin Franklin with laser eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these ads as well that these guys are running, like they're fully getting into the Web3 culture, which is awesome. But yeah, the Ethereum ETF, I think one of the deadlines is in May. And I think that'll probably be around a very... Pico top signal when that comes out, I reckon. How does it play out this time with approvals, Blake? Yeah. Uh, where, uh, you know, this just makes me think, where does it end? You know, how far down the market cap list are they going to go? Solana. You know, I'm, in, I'm in seeing Chainlink ETF on Twitter. Oh, I just God, laugh. please. Yep. Are we going to see Ripple? You know, uh, yeah. uh, if these guys can make money out of it, I think yeah. they'll flog it. Mm. So I think there's Larry much more Fink to Larry Fink actually here. says that he can see, and Larry Fink and also Brian Armstrong have both said that they can see a world where there's a DeFi ETF, there's okay. basket it's assets ETFs on the stock market. And I think that's could be a dream because it's so like, imagine having a DeFi fund and Aave or whatever gets hacked or this, whatever mm. is in the fund. Yeah. Where does it end, Blake? I don't know. Rumors though. Keep the rumors coming. I love it. Well, look, it's more of a sign that traditional finance figures might jump on the crypto bandwagon soon. Won't be long before we see more suits than hoodies in this crypto space. But I think we don't want to we don't want to finish that story there. We want to talk a little bit more about Ethereum because it's been in the press this last week with regards to its upcoming upgrades, Craig. Yeah, so we covered the merge. Was that last year or the year before? Yeah, it was last year. Part of Vitalik's merge, splurge, verge, yep, gurge those mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. They're gearing up for a new upgrade called the Denken upgrade. They used to have cool names like the Shanghai upgrade. Now it's Denken. Yeah, now it's yeah it's shambles. This upgrade is more about network security and scalability. So this is another huge one, probably similar level to the merge event, Trace. So the Denkin upgrade is currently undergoing its testnet deployment, which is crucial for testing aspects like smart contracts and staking, which we're talking about um, as part of this upgrade. But it's not just about security. It's also introducing Data plobs, which might sound weird, but this also, this is all about reducing fees. So this is something, data blobs sounds great if it's going to help reduce um, fees. And the timing for all of this uh, will depend on the outcome of these tests, Blake. So Mm. another one to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I think they're saying that that means once this is pushed, that your uh, layer two transaction fees can reduce by about a factor of 10, yeah. um, which is, you know, I've been using the layer two solutions and it's already like a dollar a transaction. So um, once wow. it's down at 10 That's cents, huge. it's just going to create a velocity. Yeah. Um, you know, I would be deterred from using some DeFi apps sometimes thinking, I don't want to punt that you use this because mm. I'm going to pay a hundred or $200 in fees to get no, it that's... from one place to another. But with this, it's going to change the game. Mm. Um, but yeah, we have some stats here as well um, regarding Ethereum. So since July 22, the Ethereum holdings on centralized exchanges has dropped from 21% to 12%, um, which is a faster rate than Bitcoin's reduction. But I have to say that the solutions for taking your coins off exchange now have matured a lot more since the early days of Bitcoin. Uh, and this trend combined with a buzz around the potential Ethereum ETF uh, and the upgrade uh, is causing an increase in long-term holders. Now that we have the incentive for staking, it's really going to mm. change the game. And I think that having a yield-bearing asset listed on the stock exchange, yeah. like staked Ethereum, where people can not only get exposure to this asset class, but also earn, I think it's at 3.5% per annum at the moment, 
Um, we're going to see leveraged ETFs where we get more exposure, more yield. Uh, I think that this is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that those fund managers are going to have to get their head around explaining mm. Mm. Uh, to their clients. I've never been a fan of staking my Ethereum. I just can't, like, I just feel like it's a risk. It's There is smart contract risk, right? But, you know, there's different scales of risk. You know, if you're staking directly on the Ethereum um, network, then it's a lot Eating safer. Whatever it's called. But, yeah. But if you're using a third party service like Lido or is it Rocket, Sh- Rocket, Rocket Pool, Rocket Pool uh, then you know, there's an additional layer of risk there, the smart contract risk. And, uh, you know, those those smart contracts have stood the test of time and the bounty is in the billions. So, you know, if people wanted to, there's will to hack them, but no one's been able to yet. So mm. that's really a, a validating point for me. All right. Well, everything's pointing in the right direction. I think to sum it up, Ethereum is on the cusp of some exciting developments with major players eyeing the Ethereum ETF and all this excitement around the Dinkin upgrade. Ethereum could reach new all-time highs in 2024. So stay tuned, folks, because Ethereum's definitely on a journey this year. It could be groundbreaking. Now onto a news story that dominated the headlines last week and may well do so over 2024. Could Dogecoin finally have some real utility? It's on the cusp of becoming the payment vehicle for 550 million users of X or Twitter, as it was called. Let's look at an event involving Dogecoin and one of the tech world's most influential uh, figures, Elon Musk, Craig. Tell us about this story. Dogecoin had a bit of a pop the other day, I should say last week, about 16%. And this wasn't due to a direct tweet from Musk. This is in relation to an intriguing development in X, which is its official X payments account. So Elon's gone on the record saying that he has an ambition to turn X into an everything app. And people are speculating that he may use Dogecoin as Twitter's payments back-end ecosystem, whatever you want to call it. Because Elon Musk's quote, which I love, is the most entertaining outcome is the most likely. And the most entertaining outcome would be if Dogecoin becomes Twitter's way of paying for ads, paying their creators, um, paying for ad slots on the homepage. Like, can you guys imagine if that's all Dogecoin? Like, that'll just be hilarious. Well, everyone's been speculating for a long time that that's it. But now, like last week, he put the Doge logo next to the X logo on his. So, but he's known for doing weird stuff like this. So the integration hasn't happened yet, but everyone's speculating that he's what a bit will of a troll. Be? Yeah. What do you think? I, ju- I just think, you know, the first port of call is he'll integrate traditional payments like Venmo or other, you know, or like Cash App. And then he'll, he'll have secondary payment rails like Bitcoin like Bitcoin or investment portfolios. And he wants to build out, you know, payments, uh, a whole payments platform. And I think this is going to take many forms and have many different features and functionality. So you don't think he goes straight for Doge? Definitely not straight for Doge. The risk is too high. It's 500 million people. Um, you know, the, He wants them to be able to transact straight away. Yeah. Like the, the Doge network is, you know, it, it's, it's not built like a, a PayPal. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's his arch nemesis, isn't it, PayPal? Uh, uh, yeah, I think he'll do all the all the traditional ones, and he'll whack on Dogecoin yeah. just for fun. Yeah, like yeah. that's the vibe that I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think though that this will be one of the stories for 2024. What ends up happening with this everything app that he's building? He mm. definitely will integrate crypto. Yeah. Let's go for a break now, and when we come back, our short, sharp news bites. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome back. You're listening to the first episode of the year on the Crypto Curious podcast. We're starting off with a unusual one for the news, a token guaranteed by God, in a weird case of cryptocurrency fraud, a pastor in Colorado was sued for deceiving his churchgoers with the promise of a miraculous 10x return on his index coin, claiming it was guaranteed by God. Yeah, to be honest, God, mm. come on, 10x, mate. Add a zero. Could have gone, yeah, add a zero, as Craig likes to say. Uh, so this pastor uh, was profited $1.3 million uh, when the coin's value rose, but broke his pledge to donate the money for good causes. Instead, he splurged on a new Range Rover and home renovations. Uh, and he, uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently this was all under the divine guidance of God. When questioned by investigators about the missing funds, uh, he advised everyone to hold uh, and God will work his wills. This incident, I guess, is a bit of a reminder to be very careful on where you do put your money and maybe do your own research. What's up next? So Bitcoin-based digital art auction at Southersby, the Genesis Cat, which was a digital art piece by Bitcoin-based Taproot Wizards, which is seems to be an ordinal's crew. So this Genesis Cat sold for an impressive $254,000 and... It's literally a cartoon cat, but this Genesis cat, the collection will be known as the Quantum Cats, actually has an NFT mint coming up this week. Now, Craig had an in apparently. Ladies and gentlemen, I found myself on a whitelist. I think it's due to my celebrity Mm -hmm. status in the cryptocurrency industry. (laughs) I have got a whitelist and apparently the mint was meant to be this morning at 4 a.m. So I got up. 4 a.m. I didn't really know where I was. It interrupted my REM. I got up, tried to mint, didn't work, fell back asleep. And then there's been a debacle on Twitter. And apparently they're minting again in a few days. Ooh. 
that's interesting. What was the debacle? That's a, is it is it a publicity stunt? That's a bit of you don't hear many. Sometimes they mess up the smart contracts. Yeah. Well, they're saying that the server crashed, and they're saying that there was too much interest and they couldn't get anything done. But okay. it's very interesting, and I and I'm not sure. I'm torn because a the Twitter community has been going off. People are making like quantum cat games. The Discord is popping off, but B, like I'm not sure if the NFT space is finished. So it's 100% not. It's been going mental. So keep us up to date next week and let us know how you go on that one. But at Sotheby's, anything at Sotheby's seems to do well. So I know I noticed this morning there was another story about a poem that was minted at Sotheby's for an exceptional amount. Um, I'll, I'll also put those details in the show notes as well. Um, your turn, Blake. What have you picked for us? Next up, we're circling back on the Mount Gox hack from 2014, back in history here. Uh, so Mt. Gox was famously um, one of the biggest uh, cryptocurrency exchange hacks in the world. Uh, 850,000 Bitcoins were stolen. Uh, and it looks like that the people uh, that had their Bitcoin hacked are going to get this back through the administration process now. Ten years later, they will receive both Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, and it's now valued at $33 billion. So the people that have been caught up in this hack and administration, I'm sure, have made a mint. Uh, and But are they getting it back in the value of Bitcoin or what it was at the time? Like- I'm not sure. I think it sounds like they're getting their Bitcoin back, um, but uh, I suspect that you know, there's going to be a big cohort of people part of this administration that are going to want to dump their crypto mm. as soon as they get it. They've been counting their pennies, mm. you know, for the last 10 years. And, you know, they, they're going to want to, you know, see their, you know, investment through. Yeah, well, let's keep an eye on that one because we reported late last year that they, was, they, they were potentially getting their investment back at the value at the time, mm. similar to what they try to do with the FTX How would they crew? retrieve the Bitcoin? They found, I think that it was seized by um, authorities. Mm, interesting. Who found the, the people that hacked it, yeah. But not all of them. Um, only, uh, I think there was parcels of them. All right, what's up next? Amazon is turning $4 billion Bitfinex heist into a feature film. So remember that wild story that we've been following about Heather Razulhan, Razul Khan, the rapper? She's hilariously... Cringe, Cringe. yep. Um, She and her partner were um, behind that um, massive heist. Well, apparently she will be on the big screen or someone playing her. Uh, And so the MGM studios are bringing this unbelievable saga to to life and we will be – I definitely will be tuning into that one because, yeah, it was such a It's beyond belief, really. Yeah, it really is. I just don't know how she managed to pull that off, Um, but we'll see what that one turns out like. What's up next, Craig? Controversial cryptocurrency WorldCoin, those mobs that wanted to scan your eyeball, they're now making a more aesthetic Apple look eyeball scanning <laughs> device. So this update comes as they expanded their operation um, and they've stirred some controversy. I'm not sure what the token's doing, haven't heard about it, but something to look at. If you want to have a look at what they actually look like now, there's a photo. I took a photo of myself with one. It's in the Facebook Crypto Curious group from um, when me and Blake went to Singapore. Next up, the US files a notice to sell $130 million in Bitcoin linked to the Silk Road agent that stole uh, stole the crypto. So there were a portion of people that money laundered uh, some of this Bitcoin, but there was also the secret service agent that was on the case and, and then stole the Bitcoin, Dodgy. not thinking that he was going to get nabbed. 
so they're breaking uh, the Bitcoin up into allotments, some as big as 2,800 Bitcoins and then selling down into the market, uh, which is just an interesting story overall. I was watching a doco the other week about the Dutch authorities who ended up um, you know, gaining administrator access to some of these dark web marketplaces and they could see and start tracking all of the uh, all of the, the sellers across the website that they were running and many others. From Silk Road. And, well, it, it, they, they learned a lot from Silk Road, um, but there was an international consortium of, um, you know, uh, police or, or investigators that were, you know, really focused on these dark web marketplaces mm. and they infiltrated them and then they were running some of the biggest marketplaces for some time. Wow. And then they were able to track, you know, all of the people using these platforms. Uh, so... Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. You can't hide. You just cannot hide. That's basically it. Any parting thoughts after our first episode back, boys? It's great to be back. It's going to be a big year. I think lots of excitement coming uh, and it's going to be hard to keep up with everything that's going Mm. on. You know, I'm focused on a few sub- sub industries within crypto and I uh, can barely keep up with those and you know true so true mm. which is what we're here for what about you Craig I think it's going to be a crazy year halving ETFs it's the biggest election year like a billion people having elections this year so I think the turmoil that we saw in 2023 will be beaten this year so we're going to be here to cover it each Every week. Wednesday. There you go. So that's it, folks. Thanks for diving into the crypto world with us today. If you've enjoyed the journey, bring a friend along for the next episode. We'll all take part in this evolving crypto narrative together. Keep exploring and let's meet again next week for more crypto clarity. Until then, stay curious, stay connected. You can do this by joining our Crypto Curious Facebook group or our Instagram page. And be sure to hit the subscribe button where you're listening to the podcast now. If you're looking to de CA into the crypto market, which is dollar cost average in. You can do so by using the Bamboo app. Don't forget to use the code CURIOUS for $10 of free Bitcoin to get you started. Links in the show notes below. Thanks for joining. We'll uh, speak to you next week. Bye for now. Bye, guys. See you, guys. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.